Welcome to Bradley's Chat. This is Bradley. Um, broadcasting during the daytime for once. The sun's still up, so it's kind of odd for me. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to spend some time talking about um, gaming etiquette in tournaments, you know, with your club, in general, um, behaviors and, and things you can do to make sure you have a better gaming experience no matter what game you're playing. And then later on, I'm going to uh, talk about some things I've been struggling with with this tournament coming up a week from Saturday. Uh, kind of struggling on what army to take. I had uh, Lord Tywin all set to go, but um, some things have happened that have kind of uh, made the decision more difficult than I originally thought it would be. So we'll get into that too. So anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, I'll be right back. Okay, so I'm back, guys. So, like I said in the intro, let's talk a little about a little bit about etiquette. Like, um, say these are going to be for these are some things you should be aware of during you know friendly games, friends' house games, or tournaments, just anywhere in general. Number one, you should always make sure the game is fair. Um, don't invite your friends over to play a game with you that. You have the scenario set up in such a way, no matter what game it is, we're talking gaming in general now, where um, you have the advantage, you're going to win, and and you just want to win, so you're going to set it up. I mean, no one wants to go through that. No one enjoys that. It's not fun. I once had a uh, person I know, we were going to play a uh, one of the Osprey rule systems for Colonial Warfare, and... Uh, he had Zulus and I had British, and um, he had the game all set up for me to get there. And I got to the game club, and we got ready to play. And well, basically, you know, the British could move six inches a turn, and the game ended in six turns. And the objectives were in the middle of the board. Well, he he enlarged the scenario to increase the number of troops and everything, and he and we played on a six by four long ways. So what's what's six times six? That's three feet, right? Three feet, right? So the only way I could get to the objective would be if I moved on to the last turn. And and there was dense terrain everywhere and walls and walls of Zulus and you know, in this in this thing if you shoot or do hand to hand combat, you know, you're not moving your full distance. So you might you know, you shoot twelve inches or whatever, so so basically, the only way I could win this scenario is if he left the objective uncovered and I get to march one unit there unobstructed through open terrain all the way to that objective. The secondary objective was about four feet away. And, you know, I played the game and he was rejoicing in his victory. He was an older guy. And, you know, and, and I pointed out to him, I said, look, man. I couldn't win this game if there was nobody on the table. You know what I mean? No enemies opposed to me. So what were you thinking? You know, and he's like, "Oh no, 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 no! You could have, you could have." I mean, it's simple math, right? So, needless to say, um, I I don't game with him anymore because he had a thing of doing it. You know, he would, you know, in dice games where you roll the dice, and and a lot of times people are gonna they're gonna pick up the misses and leave the hits on the table so the enemy can see how many hits you got, that kind of stuff, you know, proper dice etiquette like that. Well, he would he would just pick up his hits before he could even see him. He would say, you know, he'd roll 15 dice and say, all right, that's nine, and pick him up real quick without letting you see him. I mean, don't, don't do stuff like that, you know. Um, especially at a tournament, make sure before you begin your game, you know, you greet your opponent, you compliment them somehow, be it their army, um... Tell them you're looking forward to play with them. Try to shake their hand. Just try to try to start the game off in a nice way. Um, decide what a cock die is gonna is gonna be. Make sure uh, you know you go over each other's army lists, that kind of stuff. And if someone doesn't want to show you their list, well, I mean, it's don't play until they show you your list. Simple as that. If you have questions about their list, you have every right to ask them. And if someone is trying to hide something from you. 
in a tournament, I mean, that's not that's not good on their part. So don't feel bad at all. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel nervous about saying, hey, you know, let me see your list. Or, hey, what, what what's in your army? And you shouldn't have to guess, you know. Um, when they're deploying, if you see an attachment in a unit, you should say, hey, what's that attachment? You know, what's he do? You can ask these things. It's totally up in the air. Before the game starts, those are all legitimate questions, you know. You should thoroughly know what each other's armies are, even before you do terrain or anything. You agree to go over each other's army list. That's, that's common sense to most of us, but there are people out there who, uh, for whatever reason, you know, don't want to share that. So you have every right to get that, so make sure you ask that. Um, during the game, it's okay to celebrate, you know, if you have a great dice roll. It's, it's great. Um, you don't have to, you know, pretend to feel bad because you destroyed an enemy unit. You don't have to. On the other side, you know, don't on the other side of the coin, don't be like, ha ha, you suck, or you did something really stupid, and I just got you, ha ha. You know, don't do that. I guess in friendlies, you're playing against your best friend, you guys are used to doing that to each other. That's fine. But you know, at a tournament, if you're playing someone you don't know, or playing someone you barely know, you're not really friends with them. Just you know, it's okay to celebrate. Celebration's good, but don't over celebrate. That kind of thing. Um, at the end of the game. If you're if you're losing the game during the game, say you're playing the game and you're and you're losing, you're just getting your butt handed to you, you know, just try to learn something from from everything that goes on and try to make a game of it. Keep trying until the end. No one wants to play against someone who just gives up. Um, so you know, just play as hard as you can till the end and try to learn something from that loss. Try to learn something. Try to do some experiments. Do something. Make the game enjoyable because you know, after all, it is a game. You know, we're not we're not fighting for treasure. We're not fighting for an extra ten years of life. You know, we're you're both just a couple people that are stepping outside of real life for a minute to come to fantasy world, and you know, we're doing it for relaxation and for fun because we enjoy it. So there's no reason to be a sore loser. There's no reason to you know be a sore winner. You know, if you beat some really, if you beat somebody, don't start giving them advice right off the bat if they don't ask for it. You know, some people need time. You know, they want to go relax, just you know, suffer it. You know, thank them for a good game, etc. You know, if they ask you, hey, did you notice something I could have improved my game with? Well, then you can say so, but don't just volunteer it. You know, at the end of the game, make them ask for it. Uh, you know, when I usually win. I'll say, hey, man, you know, that was a close one. That was really close. You know, if it wasn't close, say it's close. I, mean, I just try to make, I try to make the game um, enjoyable for my opponent, win or lose. I just try to. Um, I don't always succeed, but I, I, I really strive to do that. Um, you know, the last two games I played, I got totally annihilated, and I just laughed during them. You know, we laughed and yeah, I had a good time. It's. It's more important to have a good time than it is to win or, or beat someone. It just is. If if you if your life revolves around winning a game, if if you put so much pressure on yourself that you know if you lose a game or if someone beats you that it makes you angry, then you need to step back and, and maybe reevaluate your life. You know before you play again. Um, there's no reason to do that. This is for fun. This is a hobby. This is not. Um, it's great to be competitive. It's great to want to improve and win, but nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, a week from whatever tournament you're at, no one's going to know how you did. Everyone's going to know how they personally did, but no one's going to know how you did, and no one's going to care. If you have a goal to be the, you know, greatest player of of Song of Ice and Fire that ever won, and and you think they'll hold a parade for you at Gen Con or something, you're, you're out of your mind. No one's going to care. People are going to remember. Um, people will, will remember you, win or lose, by how enjoyable the game was. And that's it. They're going to remember, you know, what your army looked like. Um, whether you're a sore winner, a sore loser, whether you were, you know, friendly, whether, you know, whether they would want to play you again, whether they look forward to playing you again, win or lose. That's the most important part in, in gaming. Um, now here's some things you, you need to be aware of like in today's day and age I play a lot of games there are bullies out there 
there are people that will try to, you know, rush you, will try to distract you, will try to um, make you uncomfortable during a game. I mean, you don't have to put up with that. You know, just look at them and say, hey, I'm trying to think here. Do you want to just, uh, let's just stop talking for a few minutes. Let me figure out what I'm doing. You know, I appreciate it. Give me some time to think. Give me some time to do this. Um, you might have people that want to play cards real quick and or do multiple things real fast. It's okay to tell them, hey, slow down. Well, what are you doing? Explain what you're doing. You know, because, because that is a tactic. It really is. Some people will try to rush you. Some people will try to distract you in order to get you off your game. Um, it's not honorable, but that happens. So do not, for any reason, do not surrender to them. <laughs> do not. Do not surrender. Like, tell them to slow down. Stand up for yourself, you know? Stand up for yourself. That's what you got to do. Um, if you got to call an umpire over there, for someone's being unsporting, do it. Call, call the organizer over. If someone's being unsporting, you know, crazy, threatening you, being rude, just being, you know, obnoxious, whatever, just call an organizer over there. Let him watch for a couple turns. Let them take care of it. It's their job. They're running the tournament. Let them do it if you don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, but you should never, ever, I mean, you have just as much right to be playing that game as the person across from you does. So never, ever, ever um, let someone just walk all over you like that. Um, and, you know, some people are not going to shake your hand before a game. Some people are not going to talk to you during a game. Some people are going to be, you know, focused throughout the game. And that's fine. Let them be focused. That's great. But you shouldn't have to take harassment during a game. So, so whatever you don't put up with that, you know, just don't do it. Trust me. Um, I did like competitive DBM, and and there was such nastiness in that in that tournament circuit. I mean, they didn't use chess clocks, and so, you know, say you're winning a game against someone, but you haven't really actually won. It was still a tie, but if the game kept going, you'd win. I mean, I've played against people that would take like. 45 minutes would run out the clock on like their last turn just so you couldn't beat them and that's that's annoying and and it was also one of those things where depending on where the tournament was being played at you know that person may or may not be able to get away with such a thing um there was people that would just cast up in the corner and just sit there and wait for you they wouldn't come out and play they just make you go in and 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 dig them out which was always nasty um Lots of stuff. You have people that would um, huff and puff during a game and and get mad and and what have you. Well, I mean, those are all things you shouldn't have to put up with. If someone cusses at you, if someone you know is being an asshole to you, just ask them point blank. Say, are you being an asshole on purpose? Because you know I can be an asshole too. You want to have an asshole versus asshole match? Because you know, that's fine with me. We can I, I can go full on asshole just like you're going if that's what you want. And. Nine times out of ten, when you say that to somebody, they're going to say, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know, I'm having a bad day. I got a bad text from the wife. Um, this game isn't going the way I want it to go, and I shouldn't take it out of you. You know, I apologize. I didn't realize I was coming off like such an asshole. So don't be afraid. I mean, just, you know, stand up for yourself, you know, um, and be a good sport. And if someone's not being a good sport to you, I guess, then call them out on it. Just call them out on that point of fact. Um, and being a good sport doesn't mean kissing your ass and telling you what a great paint job you did and how fabulous your moves are. I mean, being a good sport could be, you know, just playing the game and saying nothing. You know? It it just depends. I mean, there's a wide variety. Of but we know being a bad sport is, um, you know, if you decided that you're going to have, you know, cock dice be a certain thing and, you know, the the dice is cocked per what you guys said at the beginning, and then they just take it anyway. You know, call them out on it. Don't let them do that either. Because I guarantee you, you know, if the roll was bad, they'd re-roll it because it was cocked. So so don't have any guilt or any misjudgment over that. Uh, most gamers, for the most part, are really, really good people, really nice, really friendly. But, I mean, you get a room of 20 or 30 people, there's going to be an asshole or two there. There just is. So just um, don't spend time worrying about them. Just uh, if 
if they act like petulant children, then treat them like petulant children. That's my best advice I can give you. Um, and you'll have a better experience. If you let someone walk all over you and get away with it, you're going to be angry with yourself. It's going to ruin the rest of your games for that day, and you're going to have a bad feeling about that event. Um, so if someone is, 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 is showing, like, really bad behavior, you know, call them out on it. Let the organizer know. Because, you know, the organizer doesn't want people acting like that at their events. Not if they want their event to continue, you know, they sure don't. Um, so that's that. If uh, if you don't enjoy playing against someone, don't play them. It's a game. You don't have to. You know, it's 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 not worth it to play a game against someone who you don't enjoy playing with. Um, so don't do that. Um, club etiquette would be like, don't gossip behind other players' backs. You know, don't ever talk about another person in your group to somebody else. Unless you'd be just as comfortable telling that person what you're saying about them. Um, you know, I'm blessed in my current group. We don't have any of that going on. Um, but, I mean, every game I've ever played, there's been someone that's come up and say, Hey, don't tell anybody this. And that's why I just shut them off right there. You know, it's like, hey, if you're not going to tell, you know, person A what you think about them and you want to tell me, then don't bother. You're going to tell them first because, uh, you know, we're here to have a good time. Um, you're gonna you're gonna meet people and, and play games with people that are totally opposite of the political spectrum with you. Are gonna be maybe socially different from you, work in different fields than you, have a different outlook on life than you, have different priorities than you, and that's fine because when you play a game, we're all equal, you know. I don't I don't care what what someone's politics is. If someone makes a political statement to me during a game or something, I'm not going to counter if I disagree with them and, and waste my time, you know, arguing with somebody over something stupid like that because, you know, whether a president gets reelected or impeached is not going to is not gonna be affected by a conversation at a game store. So um, that's just polite conversation, you know. When you're, when you're gaming, you know, talk about gaming, you know, don't, don't pick arguments with people over politics. Don't, you know, stay away from all that controversial crap. You know, that's reality. We have to deal with that shit in reality. Don't, don't, don't uh, stay in your game club with it. And, um, so I think that's about it. Um, yeah, just, you know, it's common sense, right? Be polite, be nice, be gracious in victory and defeat. Um, allow your opponent to know your army list. Your opponent should show you their army list. You should read over the scenario objectives and decide how you're going to keep track of victory points. You should uh, decide what a cock die is going to be. And when you're rolling dice, you should, you should let your opponent see what you rolled. You know, definitely. Um, you know, you're rolling ten dice. You know, when, when you pick up the dice, leave the hits. You know, down there. Pick up the misses, you know. Don't, don't pick up the misses. Pick up the hits. I mean, pick up the misses. Don't pick up the hits. Let your opponent see, so that there's a everyone. Everyone understands that the game is really fair, and and everyone's on the same page. When you're when you're throwing down a tactics card, be aware they might have one they want to throw after you. They might have a question about your tactics card or about a unit's ability. You know, talk through it. There's no reason to rush. There's plenty of time. I haven't played a game of Song of Ice and Fire yet that's lasted. Hours upon hours. I mean, they go quick. So you have time to slow the game down, talk through things, work things out. Um, don't just call for an umpire. I mean, look in the book. Learn something. You know, look in the book together. Read it. Try to figure it out yourselves. The, uh, the organizer has, you know, 20, 30 other people he's trying to keep track of. So don't waste his time on something you can look up, you know. Try to look it up yourself. Because they're not going to know. I mean, they, they might know the rule. They might know the thing. But it might take, you know, five or ten minutes to, to work through something like that with the organizer where, you know, he's got ten, eleven, twelve other tables for the people that he's got to keep be accountable for, accountable to as well. So, you know, it's common courtesy. Just, you know, grab the rule book, read it out. And then if you can't, you know, figure out your argument for and against it, then have the, you know, organizer come over and then explain that to them and see what they say. So just stuff like that. Um, 
if you know, if you're at, try this, you know, here's good karma. Say, say someone had a bad day. Well, say some kind words to them. You know what I mean? What's wrong with that? So, you know, someone just lost and they got annihilated, you know, two games in a row. Tell them to keep their head up, you know. Tell them, you know, you've lost before. Just try to, just try to be a good sport and try to be a nice person. Don't gloat, you know. You destroy somebody. Don't say, ah, oh, you were stupid. I trashed you. You know, just try to be friendly with everybody. And it should be common sense, but it's just not. It really isn't apparently anymore. So these are just some some things I was thinking about in tournament. And when we come back, I know I was going to run the Taiwan list in my next tournament a week from Saturday, but I'm having second thoughts. So I'm going to just blab about that for a couple minutes. All right, see you in a minute. So I mentioned earlier I was thinking about changing my list up and not taking Taiwan's list for the tournament on the 19th. Well, during our intermission, our little 30-second intermission, I actually uh, went to my orientation at my new part-time job. And I thought we were going to like go over schedules and stuff. But apparently like when you work, they actually give you a schedule and like tell you when to work. It's really weird, you know? Um, I've been doing the stay-at-home dad thing, kind of been in charge of my own life for a while, so uh, it's kind of weird when someone was like, okay, here's your schedule, you're going to work these days. You know, I almost feel like the rest of you now, um, the rest of you poor working bastards. So anyway, I am scheduled to work on Saturday the 19th. Um, but now that I'm in, I mean, I can request the next tournament off in February, whatever that day is. Um Whatever day they're going to have the one in February, I'll request that one off. But prior to that, my main reason for considering switching from Lannisters was because, you know, Lannisters have been winning so much lately in our local meta, our local scene, that, uh, you know, they've been killing the Starks, they've been killing the everybody. So I have been seriously thinking about since... The only thing I like more than House Lannister is the underdog. I was thinking, well, since Starks are getting beat... I might switch over to a Stark list. And even though I've had zero success with them in practice, it's just a matter of getting better, you know? you got to keep trying, and eventually I will succeed. And nothing feels better than being the underdog and, and winning. I mean, nothing feels better than that. There's no more glory than that. So it was interesting today when I was reading the uh, Song of Fire and Ice Facebook page thing group, and um, Gary had mentioned that his local... You know, he's the leader of our group, was having all this trouble with Lannisters because we're all aware of it. And he said, you know, he was going to quit playing his Night's Watch, which he's really good at, and might play some Starks, you know, just to give the Lannisters a run for his money because he's really good. And I guess he kind of wants to bring balance back to our meta, and he's the champion of that. He's a great guy. Um, if anybody can do it, he can do it. But I was kind of thinking along the same lines, you know. Not that I could do a good job as he could probably, but you never know. Um... So, Starks. So I'm going to walk you through my process of kind of when I start thinking about a list. I usually, I might go reverse of a lot of people, you know. So I kind of pick my commander first. And then I look at my NCUs to kind of complement that commander. And then I try to pick units that go along with that commander and those NCUs. Like, I know a lot of people will just pick up units they want and take the points up over and try to, you know, squeeze in their commander and stuff like that and their NCUs and whatever they can get. So I'm going to make a couple decisions. I'm going to make Eddard Stark my commander, and I'm going to take Roderick Cassell as one of my NCUs, and that's, that's, my, that's my starting base point. So looking at Eddard Stark as a commander... What benefits does he bring to the force? In other words, what does he bring that would complement... What units do I have, Stark units do I have, that I could bring that would complement this force? That's the washer in the background. The wall that used to separate me from the washer has been demolished by me. So now I've got the washer going behind me. So I really do apologize. I really apologize. If you guys are freaking out, it sounds like, you know, scratching on a blackboard. I'll never do this again, I promise. Um, so anyway... Eddard Stark. He has an order. 
When this unit makes a melee attack, one friendly unit within long range may restore up to two wounds. So basically, as long as I keep his unit within long range of a couple other Stark units, once per turn, when he when he starts attacking, like round two or round three, whenever every time he attacks, I should play this order, and I can restore two wounds to a friendly unit. So that's some healing there. His tactics cards are the first one triggers at the start of a friendly turn. Eddard Stark's unit must be selected to activate. Their melee attacks roll plus two dice this turn. After this activation, one other friendly unit within long range may immediately activate as well. Their melee attacks roll plus two dice this turn. So, A. When I activate Eddard Stark's unit and he makes an attack, I'm going to get plus two dice. And playing his order, I'm going to be able to put restore two wounds on one of my units. In addition to that, another one of my friendly units within long range can immediately activate as well right after, and their melee attacks get plus two as well. So, if I'm playing this right, that's why I like Roderick with this guy, because whenever I claim the swords, which is going to be a free attack, one enemy combat unit becomes vulnerable. And while influencing a unit, the unit's melee attacks gain critical blow. Which means, playing Roderick, I can make an enemy vulnerable, and I can give... I can influence a unit with them and give them critical hit. So I could give Berserkers, who automatically have Sundering, critical hit. I could give um, Sworn Swords critical hit and not have to have them use Stark Fury, which although it gives them a plus one to hit, um, I have to take D3 wounds for that. And sometimes I don't want to take D3 wounds with those guys. So, although with Eddard's Order, you know, once per turn he can, he can restore two wounds... I mean, I'm not going to suffer as much if I if I play my Stark Fury as much either. So, so far what I'm thinking is, since uh, Stark Captains, Sword Captains, you know, on their orders, when this unit makes a melee attack, after attack stack are rolled, the enemy becomes vulnerable. So I'm thinking if I, I'm thinking with Eddard... So far, I'm thinking Sworn Swords are going to work really well with him. They're going to work really well with him. Especially if you think of the fact that, uh, you know, say I've got a Sworn Sword Captain that, may, that, that makes an attack and makes an enemy vulnerable, makes an enemy, uh, you know, makes an enemy vulnerable when they attack. Well, play Cassell and then, you know, get a free attack with that unit and they're vulnerable again. Without ever, you know, because I've already used the order on the Sworn Sword Captain, so do it again. So there you go. So let's look at the next one. When a friendly unit would fail a morale test. And if you're taking on Lannisters, it's a very strong possibility, because that Lannister Supremacy gives you a minus two. And there might be a Corpse Prowl around, that minus three. There might be another Cersei around, minus two. So this unit may re-roll the test. If they are within long range of Eddard Stark, they automatically pass this test. If this unit targets Eddard Stark's unit, it may, it make, it make, it make immediately, they had a misprint on the card, but it says it make immediately, but it may immediately make one free attack action. So, say I've got Eddard Stark's unit, I'm attacking guard, guardsman with a guard captain, I play the order, I make him vulnerable, I get to attack plus two dice, so they're gonna get you know ten attacks. I've got um, I'm either gonna use Stark Fur, I've got Cassell attached to him, so they're gonna get another they're gonna get critical hit. And I'm gonna wound them. You know, instead of doing two or three wounds, you know, with critical hit, I might do four or five wounds to them. And they're gonna take a panic test. 
Say they get the guard captain, like I said. They automatically pass the guard captain. That gives them seven wounds, though. They have five guys left. So then I have to take a friendly... Then I have to take a test. Well, then Eddard Stark... He gets to make another free attack on the same unit. And he still gets plus two dice, because it's plus two dice for the turn. And I haven't left the turn yet. Which means, theoretically, by using... A combined attack of putting Cassell's card on the unit of guardsmen. Granted, you have all these cards in hand. You take Eddard. You play Fury for the Fallen. Or, no, you play uh, Lead by Example, which is... Or, I'm sorry. Let's, let's go back. So, I got a unit of guardsmen with a guard captain sitting on an objective. And I want to kill him in one turn. Not easy to do. Eddard Stark can do it. So, Eddard Stark, first off, you want to make sure that you get Roderick Cassell's card on him so, so that um, Eddard Stark unit gets critical hit, critical blow while he's in it. So, you get critical blow. Then I'm going to use Eddard Stark's Order of the North. No, I'm not. So, I've got critical hit on them. And then I will use... Lead by example, Eddard Stark's card. So Eddard Stark's unit is going to be activating. His melee attacks going to get plus two, so it's going to be eight. If it's on, if it so it's eight, so it's going to be ten attacks now. So you're going to be hitting with ten attacks, and you're going to have critical hit without using Stark Fury. You get four or five wounds. You force a panic check on Lannister Guardsmen, which they automatically pass. They're going to kill another guy. So you got what five or six guys left, maybe. And they forced you to take a panic test. Well, then you play Northern Defiance. So when a friendly unit would fail a morale test, say you're going to fail it, you automatically pass it. And since you're targeting Eddard's unit, you get to make another free attack on them. And that free attack is going to still get the plus two hits. So you're going to get to attack them with a grand total of 20 attack dice with critical hit. And you're going to force two panic tests on them. That will take out the guardsmen. So I'm happy about that. So let's look at his last card just to see what else he's got going on for him. Alright, Fury of the Fallen. Its trigger is after a friendly unit not containing Eddard Stark is attacked. So Eddard Stark's unit may pivot and then perform one free attack or charge action. If the front of the unit was destroyed, this attack also gains critical blow. So yeah, I'm thinking Eddard Stark for sure. Because this guy, I always wanted to use him because I kind of like this character in the books, you know. But I never saw it. So let's look at all these cards. Let's look at Edder, Edder, let's look at Eddard Stark in a nutshell. Once per turn, he's going to be able to restore two wounds to people you know, within long range of him. He's got a card that lets you pass a friendly morale test, and um, if it's Eddard's unit, which is, you know, passing the panic test or what have you, Lannister Supremacy test, he gets to make a free attack. At the start of his turn, he has a card which says for the whole turn, he gets plus two dice. And then right after he uses those plus two dice, another unit in the same turn, but a separate unit within long range gets to make an attack as well with plus two dice. I mean, that might be, you might have, uh, hell, what if you've got Outriders in, in range of him? You know what I mean? What if you got Outriders? Then the Outriders, you know, are going to be hitting at ten attacks. They're going to be hitting the same thing. Um, so yeah, Eddard seems pretty violent. I like him. I like him a lot. Because he's got the card for start of his triggers or start of a friendly turn. I mean, they're all good. And that combo, I was kind of, I hope you picked up my Rambo, but that, that combo seems pretty, pretty effective. I mean, that would come in pretty handy turn three or turn four if you could set it up. And, I mean, you might have to, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a case where I'm going to take Roderick, Cassell, and Sansa. But if I take Roderick, Cassell, and Sansa, what about Varys? I'm going to make, I'm going to have to make sure he's burned through a couple orders, you know, on turn one or two. I'll have to do that. I'll be at, you know, putting sands on the on the crown and forcing a panic test on like some flaymen or some knights that are 
next to a corpse pile or something. So they're, you know, at a six minus two. Um, you know, just try to get Varus to force, try to get Varus to use up his card so that I can use Sans's card to draw in that deck and get it. Um, a lot of people like taking Varus. I'm not really a big fan of Varus. Um, that's another thing Gary and I have in common. He's not a big fan of Varus either. I'm not a big fan. Seems like every every time I've played against Varus, he's been a real pain in my ass for like, you know, two turns in a row, and then it's then it's over because he usually fails one of them. He usually fails one of his attempts. So usually just for like two turns, you got to suffer through him, and and it's okay because you're fighting against evil. Um, me personally, if I have NCUs, I like for them to be doing something for me. I don't want to just play reactive with them. So. Alright, talking this through in my head, welcome to my brain, I have attention deficit disorder, so welcome to my nightmare. So, I'm happy after reading this that I'm taking Edward Stark, Robert Cas Roderick Cassell, and I think I will take Stanza Stark as well for her ability when I'm looking for that combo to go into my card, go into my deck, or go into my... Uh, discard pile and pull a card to use. So let's keep track of where we're at then. So we're at seven points right now. We're at seven points. For those keeping score at home, we've got Roderick Cassell and Sansa. And you might want to keep score with me because my math can be totally off because I don't have a pen or paper with me. I'm going to use it all. I'm just going to use my giant brain for this one. I'm use my giant brain for this operation. So my next question is, who do I stick Eddard Stark in. You know, do I put him in Sworn Swords? Sworn Swords are five points. Or do I put him in his Honor Guard unit? His Honor Guard unit, here's the benefit, you know, for, for two extra points, here's what you get. You get plus two, you get an extra attack if he's down a rank, and you get an extra attack if he's down two ranks. So instead of 865 for the Sworn Swords, you're 876. Now, looking back at that combo and how I would use him and his healing ability and stuff, I think I'm leaning towards Sworn Swords, but here's the other one. This unit never suffers penalties to morale and may never become panicked. So. This might be the turner right there, because if you're going to go Edder, you might as well go all, all out, I guess. So I would say take Edder's Honored Guard, because I'm not going to be affected by that minus two that Lannister Supremacy throws at you. I'm not going to be affected by negative modifiers due to corpse piles or due to Cersei. So that's good. And he can't, can't become panicked either, which means if I'm fighting against a Roos, a Roos Bolton uh, commander... He's not going to be able to drop panic tokens on me and, and make me lose all my abilities and all that kind of crap. So. So now I have Eddard Stark. I have Eddard Stark with a unit of Eddard's Honor Guard. That's my commander in my unit. And I'm at a grand total of 14 points. So I have 26 points left. So who do I need to support Eddard Stark? Um, I'm going to say I'm going to need some melee guys right next to him. I need to say the points, so I'm going to say let's take... Uh, let's take a unit of Sworn Swords and a Sworn Sword and a Sword... Sworn Sword Captain so I can make somebody vulnerable after I attack him. And, uh, plus... Then again, they're going to hit better than the Mountains men, you know, if they get the Thieves Stark Fury, because they're going to have Critical Blow, 10 attacks. So let's do that. So in addition to Eddard Stark and his Honor Guard, I'm going to take Sansa Stark and Roderick Cassell. So I'm at 14 points, plus 6, 20 points. So I'm halfway through my points, and I have two NCUs, and I've got kind of like my battle line. So that's that. Next up, I'm thinking 
you know, to shoot up pyromancers or to shoot up people messing on my battle line, I could put a unit of bowmen behind them. I could stick a, keep a unit of bowmen behind them or with these guys, and that's another six points. Um, I'm going to hold off on putting the warden in there with him right now because I don't see where my points are. So at 26 points, now I have my infantry line set, and that leaves me uh, 14 points. 14 points left. So what else can I take that's going to take advantage of Eddard's tactics cards? What hits really good? I'm kind of a slow-moving army anyway. So I really kind of like the fact that I could take great axes because I mean if I can get a couple free attacks with them in a turn that would be wonderful not to mention I have Eddard there to you know heal him up a little bit between Eddard Stark's order per round and the money if I have to jump on it that's five heals right there so there you go I would do that so I have Eddard Stark in his bodyguard unit that's seven my NCUs are seven that's fourteen Another uh, Stark Sworn Sword unit and Sworn Sword Captain is 626. That's not right, is it? I don't know. Let's see where I'm at. And I think I'll take Great Axes too. Um, 6, 13, 18, 19, 26. 26 and 7, 26 and 7 is 33, so I have 7 more points to go. I have 7 more points to go. And you know what I could do is, so 7 points. Hmm. Seven points to go. I feel like I need Outriders with this unit too. So I'll take Outriders as well. I really wish I could fit another attachment into this army. Like I really wish I could get a wolf in here somehow. So I have to see about that. Getting a wolf in. So let's see where we're at right now. So... Eddard Stark, we talked about why. Sansa, Roderick, Outriders, Bowmen, Sworn Swords. His Honor Guard and Bowmen. Sorry about the delay there. I'm just, I'm thinking to myself. I don't think very well loud. So you see where I'm going with this? I'm trying to get my army a theme. Now my army is going to be based around um, staying together, maybe fighting over two objectives, coming to grips with the enemy, and throwing down. Um, you know, really, God help a unit of like Lannister Knights or Flayed Men that, that come in the middle of this. I mean, they're going to be vulnerable. They're going to be hit with critical hit, like, multiple times over. You know, ten attacks two or three times at a go. Um, and you can always pull, like, flayed men off or knights off. You can always pull one of those units away by running your cavalry wide around a flank, you know, and, and kind of having them follow you. Just kind of keep them out of the battle. So you don't always have to use your outriders to go in and hit somebody. I mean, you can, you can use them to do what they do best, that's skirmish, you know, keep the, uh, keep an enemy cavalry unit out of your battle line to make it more manageable. That's at least the way I look at it. I've never really ran a Stark list like this before. I usually just grab some cool units and go for it and see. Um, one thing though, I mean, do you think I need the Bowman? I feel like I need the Bowman, you know, to deal with like pyromancers, keep those guys at bay, and to like force panic tests on people. Even if I don't cause a wound to like flame at least I would force a panic test, right? If I you know, attack them. 
Um, so I don't know. So I definitely need the Bowman. Um, so what if... So if I need the Bowman, I need everything. I'm trying to get... Um, I'm trying to free up two points somewhere. I don't know how I can do it. You know, that's one thing about... Edward's Honor Guard. But you know what? You can't have everything. It's a 40-point game. You can't have everything. So this is my list. I think this is the list I'm going to try. I have to work all freaking week. Um, Monday, though, I'll be able to go to, to game night, you know, for the first time in a couple weeks. And it'll be fun because everyone will be pumped up because it'll be the it'll be our club night before the tournament. So I'll get to see everyone's tournament list. And, uh, and you know, maybe, just maybe, I, I tested, um, I've got a recorder. You know that I can use and download, but for Anchor, I might use my Apple phone. I might, I might see which one does better because the Apple has a pretty good mic on it as well. So I might, I might uh, do some interviews with my Apple phone. I might do some interviews with my recorder on Monday, and that way, uh, you know, I can tell you how this list turns out, how this list worked out for me versus those, versus those uh, Lannister upstarts, and I can tell you how. Uh, you know, get you hyped up for this event we have in Indy. We have them every month, so you should, if you can come down to make one, you should come make one. Come make down to see us. We'd love to have you. Um, yeah. So, in conclusion, this is how Brad makes a list. It's very scientific, isn't it? Not really. So, NCUs. Roderick Cassell, because I like the fact that when he claims the swords, which I'm going to want to claim with the Starks all the time, he gets to make an enemy vulnerable. I like Sansa because she only costs three points, and to look for the combos I'm looking for, um, the different combos, and that's just a combo with his cards. It's not even counting like, you know, I could use uh, sudden charge. You know, that's not even counting the dire wolf. You know, for the morale test. Now, there's lots of different combos you can do with these guys, but I like Sansa's card because once a t once a turn, or I mean once per game, I can, uh, you know. Flip this card, a flipper card over, because it's one time only, and go through my tactics card deck or my uh, discard pile and pull out one of these cards I need for this combo. I like Eddard Starks. I really like his cards. I like his honor guard because uh, units never suffers never suffers penalties to morale. I feel like that's going to be worth several runes throughout the course of a game, especially if you're going, if you're fighting against you know some guardsmen and guardsmen captains, you know, because you got to. You, you gotta you gotta hit those guys you gotta kill them as soon as possible and, and you know with Eddard Stark and his cards there's a way to do it and I don't know how likely it is I don't know how hard it is to prep for it I'm gonna practice this Monday um, hopefully I'll get to take on some Lannisters with some guard guys and just see how um, hard it is to pull to get this combo to pull off um, where you know you get to attack them with extra dice and then you pass your panic test and you get to attack them again with extra dice and then I mean I just think that's pretty cool I like that so <coughs> so Sansa Roderick Cassell NCUs Eddard Stark with Eddard Stark's Honor Guard a unit of great axes just because I feel like with all these with all this free attack love that Eddard can pass around I want my hardest hitting guys and say they're already engaged like I would love to do Executioner's Fury you know two times in a round I would love it um, sworn swords with a sworn sword captain just because you know I can afford it really but uh, you know I used to not really see the value in sworn swords you know sworn swords remember when I didn't, hadn't really played Starks that much and I told you guys I was still learning so it might be totally off but now I'm starting to see why some people take multiple sworn sword units um, they can be really good if they're supported right and they have a purpose um I guess the most time I ever see them used is when people just take them without any attachments and just kind of float around out there. You know, they're kind of like people use them as chaff. I think they're too good to be used as chaff actually now. And they got eight attacks. They hit on fours. Um, and, and with Roderick Cell, you can give them critical hit without, you know, having to trigger Stark Fury because it's not... I mean, yeah, D3 wounds isn't a big price to pay for that, some would say. However, D3 wounds is a big deal. You know, you take... You know, you take... D3 wounds for your attack, and then say your forced Lannister supremacy check on you, that's another couple wounds, let's say. I mean, that adds up. You could lose half your, you could use half your unit. 
you know, due to Stark Fury. So I'm not, I'm not sure I want to use it all the time. So the great axes really, you know, keep those next to Eddard. So, uh, you know, beat down some uh, flayed men or knights or whatever comes my way. I got a unit of bowmen. I couldn't afford the the warden. But that's okay because they, you know, archers range attack cause a panic check, a panic test whether they do any wounds or not. So hell, I mean, I'd do it. You know, you're in the middle of the battlefield. You're fighting. Say it's feast of crows, or say there's just a corpse pile around. You got a you got a flayed bend unit sitting there, right next to them. They're a morale of six, and they're minus one to the corpse pile. I mean, sure. Why the hell not hit them with a you know, shift. Get within 12. Get within 12 of them, you know, and, and nail them for a panic test. You have a better chance of wounding them with a panic test than you do with, uh, you know, shooting them anyway. Um, and being 12 away, let's say, I mean, flayed men, they get a free, you know, like Lannisters don't have any free movement kind of shenanigans. So, I mean, they move five and roll. So, you're still at a charge range because they're max right Well, that's not true. Their max range is going to be five. No, it's not true at all. Disregard what I just said. Their charge range, that will definitely hit you if you're within 12. But maybe you want them to hit them. Maybe, you know, you hit them with a panic test, you kind of sucker them in, so then your great axes can, can hit them, or maybe your, you know, outriders can get them in the flank, or maybe you can combo them. Maybe you can sucker them in. I don't know. I just like great axes because that executioner's fury is awesome. Um... And then I said Outriders and Bowmen. Bowmen take care of Pyromancers. Bowmen to, you know, force panic tests just by just by hitting them. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And once again, I apologize for the washing machine. I know people are like, I know you guys think I'm so unprofessional, but you have no idea just how unprofessional I truly am, if only you knew. Um, but once again, thanks for listening. I got excited. I got pumped up. I wasn't really sure where I was going to go with this today. You know, I I take my little, uh, you know, good game etiquette segment, and I really wasn't sure where I was going to go with the next part of it. And then I got bummed out because I had news. I'm going to miss my tournament and miss some, uh, miss some games this weekend. I was going to play Kings of War, you know, some good old-fashioned orcs on, you know, Forces of the Abyss, you know, action. They're basically like demons and chaos. It's going to fight one of those battles on Friday with a good friend of mine. And, well, I have to work Friday, too. So, uh, yeah, so I got double whammied on the whole thing. Um, came home, told my wife, you know, when I was working. She was excited because there's a lot of extra money for us. And we'll be able to pay off these uh, loans we took out to uh, buy this new house and remodel it and stuff. And, uh, and this way, if I pick up a job, we'll be able to pay it all off in a year. We won't have to take two years, so we'll have... It's just better for the family, so sometimes you got to suck it up and do what's best for the family. And, um, yeah, I don't know. My youngest starts kindergarten in August, so I'll be working more anyway. By then, I'll have my real estate license. I'll be doing that, too, part-time. Probably do the real estate by day and, you know, just work Menards and stuff in the evenings. Um, that's, I don't know why the hell I went there for. Must be the alcohol. I couldn't tell you. But anyway, so I'm glad that I decided to do Eddard Stark and Roderick Cassell. One of my friends had posted earlier on Facebook that he kind of liked um, Eddard Stark's Honor Guard unit. And then one of my friends said he didn't like Roderick's cards. And that doesn't mean he's wrong in not saying it. I mean, he's more like a great John Umber guy. He's more like a Night Watch player. He's a sneaky, devious son of a gun. I mean, he's... He always plays the good guys, but he is a, I mean, he is a very, like, I wouldn't want to get in a, like a solve a mystery contest or a, you know, game of wits with him. He's pretty sneaky and pretty devious. Um, but so anyway, it made me look at his cards and I started, and I like him. I mean, for me, I like him because I like, I like Tywin as Lannister. I like to grind. I don't like the gimmicky, you know three units of flayed men. I don't like, you know, Varus. I don't like to uh, try to find the easy way. You know, I like to have a battle. Like, I want to get in there, and I want to I want to immerse myself in this thing, and I want to have all kinds of all kinds of crap going on nonstop all the time. I mean, that gets my adrenaline pumped, win or lose. That's what I like. The only thing I'm disappointed in this list is I couldn't fit a wolf in there. And, uh, 
I really wanted to get a wolf in there for an extra activation, and also to maybe use this chaff, you know, to tie up a one of those heavy mounted lists, you know, tie up one of those mounted mounted units for a turn or something. You know, throw it out between the bowmen and a unit flayman, so I get two shots at them with the bowmen, you know, before they broke through the wolf, thinking like that. And I don't know how to do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it. I guess you know, I guess if I if I took Eddard Stark out of his honor guard and stuck him in a normal unit of uh, sworn swords, I could free up two points to stick uh, Brendan Tully in with the great axes. And the only thing is, even though that sounds like an obviously great thing to do, I've just had, you know, playing Lannisters mostly, I just know how bad, how important that, uh, Defending against that negative two for Lannister supremacy is, you know, and if you're going against an army that's heavy in Lannister supremacy, I would rather not suffer any modifiers in my commander's unit and just try to play the great axes well enough that they wouldn't be hammered too badly, you know. Um, I realize by doing this list, like the first turn, if I go first, I'm going to want to probably take the crown if I'm playing a Lannister so they don't hit me with Cersei, you know, in the first turn. You know, the second turn, they're going to go first, so they take the crown, then, you know, maybe I take the swords and put a vulnerable token on someone and we maybe get close enough to engage the next turn. In turn three... You know, in turn three, I could, you know, well, by turn three, I'm going to be engaged, so I don't necessarily have to worry about the crown so much. I mean, I guess, I guess I could take the crown again on turn three just to deny him the crown. And then um, the rest of the turn my next play either take the swords of the horse and get like a free charge or a free attack in and then just play Tetris cards and fight it all out that's a good way I think it could minimize my panic losses before the combat actually started and maybe if the two turns I get on the crown I threaten like you to flayed men they're next to their corpse pile which would be their negative two that would be enough for them to trigger Varus and deny me my uh, panic test which is fine because I would gladly trade a token for you know the effect of the crown zone which I really don't care about it's just you see how I come up with this brilliant ideas see how I come up with these brilliant ideas you see what I just thought of see how great that is um, so anyway I'm gonna go make myself another drink and go watch some TV before I crash tonight I've got to work Man, this is going to be the first time I've worked in months and months and months. I mean, I, I mean, I do dishes, I do laundry, I work at home. But, I mean, this is going to be the first time, like, I actually have, like, a boss and be working for several months, you know. It's like, I have to work 10 to 5 tomorrow in the millwork department. So, that's going to be fun. I actually had this same job, Maria. I actually had this same job when I first got out of the Navy when I was kind of looking for stuff to do. I worked at Menards and, and did millwork. So, I don't think it's going to change that much, just selling stuff, right? But anyway, tired of ram sorry to ramble. Sorry about the unprofessionalism. Um, it might get better. It might not. We just don't know. Maybe this is as good as it gets. And maybe this podcast is doomed for abysmal failure. But, you know, who knows. Um, but like I said, I'm probably not going to have time to do anything. I've been trying to do them every day and putting them out as much as I can for you guys. But I think my next uh, one I'll do will be Monday. And that's when... I know I say this all the time. I always tease you, and I promise you. But this time... Brad really promises the bottom of my heart. You are going to meet Gary. You are going to meet John. You are going to meet the other John. You are going to meet Aaron. You are going to meet Ryan. You are going to meet. You are going to meet so many people. You are going to meet so many people. You are going to meet Cameron. You are going to meet. You know, you might meet Shane. You might meet Tim. You know, who knows who you are going to meet. You might meet. You might meet. Uh, oh man, you might. Just you might meet Zach. You might. Who knows who who you could meet, but. uh I promise that I'm going to get my club mates on here in front of you 
and then you'll hear our sense of humor. Like everyone tells me that I'm not humor enough, humorous enough on here. They say I'm funny in real life, but I don't come across as funny enough on here. Um, but I get kind of like a dry six sense of humor, so sometimes I crack myself up while I'm doing this, and you guys have no idea, no idea that I even said anything funny. And that's okay, because I was doing it for my benefit. Um, but yeah, so I will get those guys on Monday, and we'll have a rocking next week. And wish me luck as I go back into the workforce. I thought I was retired, but just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. And uh, have wonderful gaming. Enjoy your life. Kiss your kids. And uh, have a wonderful, wonderful night.